I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hey listeners, a quick heads up that today's episode has some sassy language in the form of a couple of F-bombs. They all come from the unknown north. Talent and drive and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49 parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these canucks. Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away We sure would miss them The Canadian star system Oh, hello, and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, the podcast where we talk to Canadian stars known all around the world, and then they introduce us to other Canadians that we should all know more about. And then, like most Canadian entertainers, we ask you to help us spread the word, because forcing you to listen would be rude. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and I had to apologize to my wife recently because I'm just excited that the world is opening back up and we can begin to travel again, but I probably shouldn't have said it the way I did, which was, I need to see other people. Now, one of those other people I'm looking forward to seeing live again and in the same room is my producer and co-host, Diana Francis, who's here with me virtually and always. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve. Nice to see you again, even though we're not in the same room. I think we should just keep it like this all the time. Even when the <laughs> pandemic's well and truly over, we just never spend any physical time together. <laughs> I mean, hurtful, but I understand why you would why you would say that. Yeah, I get it. Look, we're going to I'm, I'm very, very excited about today's guest who I've had the pleasure of speaking with for a couple of minutes while we got some technical things sorted out. So I feel I feel like I know him already. He's uh, just such a pleasure to talk to. But before we get to that, here's something I've been meaning to ask you for a while, and I couldn't say it on a public show in Canada till till pretty recently. But uh, cannabis, are mm-hmm. you familiar with it? I Do you am. Know what yes. it is? Yes. Have you tried it? 
Well, it, uh, interesting question. You know, the uh, uh, for years, I didn't actually think that weed did anything to me because mm-hmm. the very, very first time I ever got high mm. was when I was 19. I took acid. The first that's, time I got high. Well, that's a pretty so, strong move out of the gate. Yeah. Yep. Anytime I tried to smoke weed after that, it was a little <laughs> bit like, no, no, I've been to Disneyland and this <laughs> is now a tilt-a-whirl in a mall parking lot. It's not working. Right. Right. But I do use weed now to sleep at night. And I saw a tweet that our guest sent out a while ago. And mm-hmm. he said, the new face of cannabis is old ladies taking it to sleep at night. And I have never, I've never felt more seen and insulted at the same time because I am that woman. Uh, what about you, Steve? Well, it's nice to be looking at the new face of cannabis. There, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm looking right at it. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm a fan, longtime fan. I went to, I think my bet, my best experience slash, uh, borderline worst was when I went to Amsterdam by myself for a, a trip uh, from Ireland once. It's a cheap flight. And I decided this is a good time. It was, it's was it been legal there for a long time. You go to a coffee shop. It's very civilized. You order up whatever you like. So I ordered a, a large Amsterdam pure joint. And the kind young Dutch man behind the counter said, are you here with people? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm by myself. And he said, do not smoke all of that by yourself. And I said, I'm from Canada there. All right, Van Vonsen. I'll, uh, I don't know if it was him. I, uh, I think I'll be okay. And I, I smoked the whole joint myself. And uh, then I took me I think two hours to cross the street because I was waiting for a break in traffic. And then a local person finally said, there are no cars on this street and just walked <laughs> me back across to my house. So that was, that knocked me out pretty good. And then, you know, my, my favorite story in Canada, I'm going to reveal during the interview because we have such a rare opportunity with this guest. All so right, okay. I am a fan of it. I'm aware of the strong effects that it can have and the positive effects that it can have. And uh, thank God we don't still live in the days of reefer madness. Now, let's meet our guest, shall we? He is to cannabis what Einstein is to the theory of relativity, if I'm being honest. He's what Gretzky is to hockey. He's what George Foreman is to the lean, mean grilling machine. He's been in entertainment since the 1960s and a comedy and movie star since the 1970s. You will recognize his voice from classic Grammy-winning comedy records, his face and beard from classic comedy movies that he starred with alongside friend Richard Marin, who's better known as another name. In addition to his stone-cold reputation as a stoned funny man, he's also a very proud family man, a successful entrepreneur, a two-time cancer survivor, and recently became maybe the most charming semifinalist in the history of Dancing with the Stars. He's all for free speech. One of his best buddies is Cheech. We've already waited too long. It's Tommy Chong. Yay! <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed, man. It shows that you, you, you Canadians have a lot of time to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is true. This is all I've got, Tommy. And thank you so, so much for, for being here. And as I said, we had a chance to chat a couple minutes before this. You're coming to us from uh, from the Palisades, where you made an early investment in your house, and now you're just laughing at the things sprouting up all around you, the gargantuan McMansions that are going for crazy, crazy amounts of money. Still a beautiful place to live. We're going to talk a little bit about your Canadian roots. And I want to try to uh, start, I like to try to start the interview where no one else could. That's my goal. So the last time I saw you and the only time I saw you live, you were coming through 
You were doing a series of concerts at a, at a club called Comedy Wood, north of Toronto. Comedy Wood. I was opening for you, and they said going in, they said Tommy Chong is the best bar tab in the history of comedy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What do you mean exactly? And uh, I came on, and it was a cloud of happiness that you appeared in. And everyone had the greatest time. You had your guitar up there, which I didn't even know you brought the guitar on stage. And then after uh, the show that I did with you, I had a chance to share a joint. I don't know where it is in your life's highlights, Tommy. I'm going to guess top 10. But for me, way, way, way up there. It was such a pleasure to see you work. There's, a, there's no question involved in this other than how does it feel to be such an iconic character that everyone that spends time with you We'll, we'll put that down as a highlight, I would guess. Oh, it feels great. Was that Barry, Ontario? Oh, close. It was Comedy Wood is, was in a place called uh, Thornhill, Ontario. It's technically part of Toronto now. And, and it was yeah. just me. I was just by myself. It was just right? yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You and yeah, a, because uh, right after that, my wife joined. I got tired oh, wow. of being alone right. on, the, on the road. So I talked her into it. She didn't want to come. You know? <laughs> I don't want to sit in the dress. She said, I don't want to sit in the dress room. I said, I'll put you in the show. <laughs> oh, nice. And, and she's she's an actress, so she right away is like, a job on stage? Okay. <laughs> and, and, so, and then so she, she's been with me ever since. In fact, when, when Cheech and I got back together again, uh, she, she she read the riot act to me. You know, she says, you're not dropping me. I'm going to be in the show. And I said, absolutely, girl. <laughs> and so we're, we're still together. You know, uh, that's one, of the, one happy marriage, want to stay together. Put your wife in the show. <laughs> ah, see, that's a mistake, Steve. You've got your wife managing your career. That's right. Your wife needs to be more in your career. In the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like not even just talking about her, but putting on the stage. This is why. No, I, 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 I don't remember you. I should. But <laughs> I, I'm trying to. I get that a like lot, I, Tommy. It's it's okay. It's uh, it was it was really something to to behold. Just the 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 happiness that arrives with you at live events, which I'm sure still follows you wherever you go. You're still doing live events everywhere. Well, you figure out that we were the voice in so many year, years of young kids. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean, young, young, you know, great kids, kids in grade school and that. In fact, little Catholic kids used to the, the, the surprise their teacher with teaching Chong bits. <laughs> 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 of course, then they would have to bring their parents to get them back in school and stuff. <laughs> but you can imagine you know, where the first voice they hear, you know, that made them laugh or that connected them with their parents, you know, with their dad or that, you know, or the uncle or the big brother or whatever. Yeah. Or, or the, you know, the, the popular kid on the block, you know. And if you knew Cheech and Chong, oh, you were in, you know. So, so yeah, that, yeah, by that, by the time I was doing comedy, I'd I'd gone through about three four careers by then. That's crazy. And me. and and I I wanted to do uh, the the good thing about Cheech and I breaking up is that it gave me a chance to do stand up by myself. Right. I started doing a little bit when we were together. You know, I, I'd be a little bit too long in between bits. You know, doing <laughs> you know a little bit too long. And, and, and I I I fell in love with the microphone. You know, and I fell in love with the fact that you can. We get it out of thin air, you know. It's such a beautiful uh, talent to have, you know. I mean, I don't think the air was that thin that night. To be honest, Becky. it was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty thick. Well, 
Well, can you imagine? <laughs> we 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 capitalized on a substance that was illegal, <laughs> and so it was. But it made you laugh at everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I even now during the during the pandemic, I do so many stupid things that sometimes I laugh. It, it takes me a while to get going because I'll I'll laugh so hard at the stupidity you know, that I did of myself <laughs> because that was one of the great things about being a comedian is that you're never bored. Yep. You know, you're never bored. Things happen no matter how ridiculous it is. And sometimes, you know, you, you, you cross the line <laughs> because uh, <laughs> there are times when people don't see things quite the way you do. <laughs> 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 uh, like one time, one time I was coming back, back from uh we we used to sneak down from vancouver into the states to work you know you know we don't need those thinking work permits <laughs> <laughs> well first of all we don't have a job <laughs> we're down in the states looking for work, right right know? and so we would sneak down through seattle into the states and uh one time just before we made it with motown there was a black uh a drummer he was from the state, and uh, and I we, we we we'd always drive, but there's no such thing as flying, you know. We were that poor, you know. You just had, had enough for the gas, you know. And as far as food, you know, you packed your own lunch. <laughs> Hopefully, we're in this one service station early in the morning, and there was this uh, homeless guy, I guess, and and the service station guy was giving him shit, you know. Uh, you can't sleep here. Or, oh, something, something going on like that. And of course, I saw the humor in it, you know. <laughs> and so I, I, I started kind of chuckling to myself, you know. And so, the owner of the service station goes, What do you laugh? Well, I'm Canadian, you know. And when you get my face, you know, I, I stand back so you won't hit me, sucker punch me, but I'll sucker punch you in a minute. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I did that little Canadian thing, you know. I stepped back a bit, you know, and Freddie, the drummer, grabbed my arm and, and literally, literally pulled me out of the thing. And it, it, and that that was my first lesson in how to be black in America. <laughs> because you do not give anybody an excuse to shoot you. Right. Wow. Wow. And standing up, standing up to to the the, the night authority guy. of any kind. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said, you know, I said, that motherfucker. And, and, and Freddie goes. He's got a gun. He'll yeah. use it. He knew. He knew. And so, I, you know, okay. And so after that, I learned, kind of learned my lesson. <laughs> but there were times when I'd flip into Canadian every once in a while. I love it because I don't, I I can't remember an, an aggressive moment that I've ever seen you do. It's always about, about love and comedy and, you know, not, oh, a, totally. not accepting thing. But it's so that totally, was. But there, there, there's still that hockey player. I love it. I love it. You know, you know, the hockey player. Can yeah. we talk, Tommy, a little bit about your Canadian roots? Because I'm not even sure, sure that everyone would. And I don't know how often you get to talk about it or, or when if you've been asked about it recently. But you were born in Edmonton, raised in Calgary. So you're a uh, mm -hmm. good Alberta stock. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about your time on the Canadian side of the border before you, uh, you know, gained international success? We were very poor back then. We had no idea how poor we were. But uh, 
we we I lived in a house without indoor plumbing until I was 12, 11, 11 years old. And so my earliest, well, my earliest childhood was in a hospital. And then when I got out of the hospital, when I was about four or five years old, five years old, then we were put into a, a, a orphanage, like the Salvation Army home. And then because my mother was in a sanitarium, she had TB. Mm. Gosh. And she was native, see? She was quarter native, TB, the whole thing. But they, back then, you know, it was, uh, what do you call it, uh, quarantine? Yeah. My mother was quarantined from us. I, I never hugged my, I can't remember hugging my mother until she got out of the hospital. And, and I was about six, five, six years old when, when she finally got out. But I, I, I spent a year in, in the hospital with pleurisy. And so my, my my legs never really developed like they should, thank God, or else I would have been a good athlete and then I'd be, <laughs> I'd be limping around by that. <laughs> so, so, so there's a blessing everywhere. <laughs> Finding out my, my mother was native and she was born in a town called Mafican, Manitoba. Mafican? Mafican? Mafican, Manitoba. It's right on the border of Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Okay. And you know, you know what they're claim to fame is no the way mafican is spelled mafican and so they say so there's a joke a, a, a thing going around about this is my fucking uh <laughs> uh skating rink and this is my fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is my fucking because <laughs> it's spelled M-A-K-F-A-K, yeah it does sound like know? it yeah it is it, it, it so there's a great humor there and and we did the DNA and we found out, yeah, that my my mother, my grandmother, who I never met, and her name was Jemima. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Isn't that crazy? Wow! Isn't that, that crazy? is not Jemima. That is. Yeah. And my other grandmother on my father's side, her name was Annie Song. Song. And she was S O N G. Song. Yeah, she was the first Chinese uh, lady pilot in Canada. Wow! Annie Song. Oh my Song. god! And, and that, you know, that was my dad's mother. Yeah, I, I come from a very interesting background. And so when I found all this out, everything made sense. Because my <laughs> earliest, earliest when, when I was growing up, uh, first of all, I got very spiritual early. Because the only thing we could afford for entertainment, poor people, is church. Yeah, that's and a that good was the only reason yeah. you, The only reason you got dressed up. Yeah, that's the only reason you had nice clothes. Other yeah. than that, we 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 ran around in the summer, uh, just pants, no shirt, no shoes, just pants, and run around all summer in, in Calgary, <clears throat> and then uh, and then winter time we'd get the one pair of running shoes, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and uh, and rubber boots, and uh, the winter clothes, the winter coats, and that and and that better last you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so your memories of canada are no shirts just <laughs> pants barely any shoes and church for entertainment <laughs> yes yeah and, those and, then, and then not even church because I, I was young i'd go to sunday school right and and it wasn't it was like uh just to come to accommodate the 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 rules of the church I had to have sunday school so a lot of times i'd be the only guy there mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or sometimes i'd be teaching it because the teacher never showed up. And so, <laughs> teaching it to you yourself. Teach, 
<laughs> yeah, teaching it to myself yeah. or to whoever was there. But anyway, th- those early stories about God and Jesus and really took to me at that age, you know. And and I remember uh, when when it was a life changing thing because I remember it so well. The, uh, the the scripture or whatever was the the teaching was God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And so I remember coming out of uh, Sunday school at night and walking with my with a couple of my friends that that been there, and uh, and and I remember to myself looking for God. If God's everywhere, where I think we're <laughs> here, you know? I'm looking for God, and we're in the country, right? And so I, I I remember myself saying, "Okay, God, where are you?" You know, <laughs> and something. Raised, I, I, I just automatically looked up at, to the heavens, and because it's Calgary and it was winter time, hmm. and and everything was still, and the, there was the most clearest view of the heavens that you can imagine, and the comets, you could see comets going by, and all sorts of activity in the air in the in the in the Milky Way, and it felt like it was so low, hmm. and so when I said. God, where are you? And it was like God says, "I'm here. This is me." <laughs> and and uh, and then uh, then uh, years uh, a, a year or two later, no, I think it was yeah, about a year later, my brother and I were walking on a field, barefoot, shirtless, and we're going to a, a friend's house or do something, you know. And uh, this car pulled up in the field and come across the field. And it's weird. It's a weird, weird sight to see a car, in, where we grew up, and it was full of missionaries. And and they pulled up and they said, "Hey, you kids want to go to uh, summer camp?" And of course, we said, "Yeah," <laughs> you know. And so they said, "Well, jump in the car," and they drove us home. Got permission from my mom to take us to camp, and it was a Bible camp. Huh. And I went to Bible camp for uh, it was two weeks. Wow. And it it literally changed my life uh, because they had a little stage there, and, they, and right. we lived in Performing, we lived yeah. in little we lived in little uh, tents and everything else. And so every tent had to put on a show, and that was my first stage, my first taste stage. Wow! You know? And I got that. <laughs> that's incredible. I didn't I didn't know that was your origin story. I don't know if it's a surprise to you, but boy, what it must have been a surprise to them to see <laughs> <laughs> to see the first Cheech and Chong project after that. At the end of the camp, I loved it. I loved the camp. I loved the stories because they would take us out into little fields. There's a little group of kids, you know, and we'd sit there. And my brother, he was three years older than me. So he was out doing the mischief, you know, being the kid, you know, we're, we're you know, doing all the bad things and, and taking advantage of it. And I'm sitting there taking all the stories, you know, and loving it. I was the perfect kid. And at the end of the camp, they, they were handing out awards. When we eat, you know, again, no one wore shirts. You know, it was very casual. And I remember standing up, leaning over to get something to eat. <laughs> no manners, you know, just don't pass me anything. Just standing up, reaching for something. And they announced my name as the kid, uh, the most popular kid. Oh, that's ah. Boy, boy. <laughs> and I won it. I won it. It was like, wow. I was anointed. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> It was nice. Did and it changed my life. Now, I'll tell you why it changed my life. I, I learned how to pray. 
It's very important. It's very simple. Very simple. Because it, I, now I, I even wrote it in a book. The, 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 the quickest, fastest, easiest prayer is to pray for wisdom. Hmm. Diana's, Diana's I'm writing this down. Yeah. So for wisdom. So not not a thanks or a please, but to, but to give me, give me the wisdom to figure this out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I've been blessed, and I've been blessed because of that. And and, and now, whenever I, I start straying off the path, you know, I I I know I'm I'm really like I I feel like I'm a puppet sometimes. Because one time I was in, uh, because everything after that, everything that happened to me, it, like like that was before I think I, I, I started playing music. Uh, because I, I, I learned how to, my, my first instrument was a little 12 bass uh, accordion that my cousin owned. <laughs> and it, whenever we'd visit my cousin, I'd go in his room and just play the accordion all the whole time we were there. And finally they gave me the accordion. Because <laughs> he never used it. Possession. Hey, Possession hey, is nine tenths of the law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, take it, take it with you. Take it with you. <laughs> and so that was my instrument. But my mother had a guitar that she she bought when she was pregnant with me, and she would hold it to her tummy and just strum the guitar. Oh wow! And she learned a few chords, but she never really. But it was always there. And so then uh, I I learned how to play the accordion, and then. I, start messing around with the guitar i could play the guitar wow and i got i got good enough that a fiddle player across the field uh i i became as a as a company you know i was his rhythm guitar player and that fiddle and player now, was cheech no that, <laughs> no that fiddle that fiddle player was mel mel power mel power mel what a great power. name that is mel powers <laughs> I didn't know any of this. So this is endlessly fascinating to me. (laughs) How do you then end up with part of the, one of the most popular comedy duos in history was part of Cheech and Chong from those, from those beginnings, those roots, the uh, getting your, getting your, uh, your faith roots, getting your, your entertainment roots. And then all of a sudden, it seems you're, (laughs) you, you burst into the world in the seventies with Cheech and Chong. Well, you project what I learned, you know, in the, in the spiritual world is that you can have anything you want, but you have to work for it. You write that down you too. You have to want it. Yes. You have to want it. Yeah. You, you can have anything, anything that you can imagine you can have, you know, that's why we have the cell phone. That's why we have yeah. computers. That's why we have all that stuff. Because someone said, you know what? I got an idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's true. And and that's where the weed comes in, you know, because the weed, what the weed does really, it calms, it slows everything down. You see, it calms the mind. And once your mind is calm, that calm, think about it. Once you're relaxed and calm, I, I, I watch golf all the time. I, I, I love golf uh, because I, I, I realize golf is probably a world religion that no that's one true. really realizes that it is because golf has rules and 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 the rules about being a gentleman you know and being polite everything about golf is you know uh, it's your honor (laughs) to to, to hit first it's your honor and and you keep your own score that's true and 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 you 
and you really test your ability to to stay focused because the minute like golf is like life too the minute you start looking at the traps or the water then you're courting with danger because your body adjusts to whatever site you put it to you know so that's why if you concentrate on the on the pin itself chances are the, the all the good golfers they have that ability to concentrate and that's why they all all have rituals where they take time to putt they do these certain rituals because what they're doing really is focusing their mind on what they're they're doing now if you've got anything on your mind you know like uh anything but what you want to do at that moment like thinking about what is it going to be like to win or 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 the opposite or what it's going to be like to lose because you've not lost so many times you see it's 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 being able to control your thoughts <laughs> if you can control your thought you can rule the world and so luckily with the help of my my spiritual uh, training i've been able to control my thoughts no matter what's going on you know and so i've played golf <laughs> I was with some people and because I have this ability to, to know where to go to ask, you know, to ask the, the, the spiritual help, I, I sound it, even myself. Well, look, look, look at the weed thing. You know, I mean, even me going to jail, it was like, uh, it was like, a, it was a blessing. Can you believe that? Uh, hey, talk uh, about that. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't often hear that sentence. So I would like to explore that. And for those who might not know, was uh, putting it in context, it was 2003, right? And it was for selling, not even, not, not even pot itself, selling paraphernalia on online. Is that yeah, what it was for? Yeah. You know what it was? It was, yeah, it really doesn't matter. You know what, what it was, what it was, it was a, uh, a series of events that happened. Bush was going into war with Iraq, and and they sent you to jail for nine months for that because that yeah, seems they, extreme. They, they were no, no. What they were trying to do is look for uh, a diversion. Right, it's a press see, for the press. They, they see Nixon. See Bush was so in there that only thing he could do is copy other presidents. Hmm. So he copied Nixon. You know, well, Nixon, you know, the Vietnam War, and then the hippies started protesting, and it prolonged the war. <laughs> if anything, it made the war longer, <laughs> and it, and, it, and it gave Nixon an enemy. You see, you always need an enemy to blame your shit on. You see, and and that's what happened with with, with me is that well, Bush never had an enemy. There was no reason to go to war with with uh, Saddam Hussein. He hadn't done it. You know. And, and and even though you know uh, the nine eleven uh, all, all that 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 stuff hit, you know it wasn't uh, uh, Saddam's fault, you know, but uh, but they needed a, a diversion, and so they went for the hippies right away, you know, the protest. And when they sentenced me, they sentenced me on nine eleven, oh, and they yeah. sent, and they, it was in in Pittsburgh, and so the nine eleven Tommy Chong. There's going to be a massive protest, and so they had had us in the big courtroom. One guy showed up, <laughs> <laughs> and the sign said "free marijuana." <laughs> <laughs> now, 
<laughs> I can figure out if you sell saying that marijuana is free. <laughs> right. <or> that, some, <laughs> some, yeah, that would be a popular sales pitch. And, and the judge, and, and so I, I, I didn't want to go to jail, so I thought I'd talk my way out of it. And so I had this whole rap about it's better, you know, I'm teaching kids how to, uh, how to dance salsa. And, and therefore, I'm more valuable on the outside teaching these kids how to dance salsa than me doing time teaching. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there is a way I could see you teaching the inmates salsa, but I don't think it turns out right for anybody involved. <laughs> they wouldn't let me teach the inmates salsa. For real? It was against their, their law. And you, and you couldn't, pra- I couldn't practice Tai Chi in jail. That's why. Who are you hurting with Tai Chi? Because, because no, they think you're doing a martial arts thing. Mm. You see, see the guards and everything are so, they're so far behind, and so these prisoners come in. They're the latest, you know. They got the latest whatever, and there's a Brazilian dance that is really disguised martial arts. Uh, you know, I forget what it's called. Uh, but capoeira. It's, it's capoeira. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's martial arts, but they disguised it as a dance. That's yeah. how they could do it in jail. In that, and so when you do Tai Chi, I started doing Tai Chi in jail. And and uh, and then inmates said, "Don't do that. You know, you'll end up in bowl. And so I quit doing the tai chi. I did my tango. You did what? Like you did like a cell block tango, like from Chicago? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Was, I, I'm a tango. I, I started learning tango dancing. It was just all because of my wife. Right. She's a great. She's a great dancer. And so I I had to try to catch up with her. So I started taking tango lessons. And the hardest thing about tango is the walk, the tango walk. It looks like a walk, and it is. But when you think about it, it's the hardest thing to do. I've been practicing it even right now. When mm. I walk, when I take out the garbage, I, 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 do, my, I, do, I do a tango walk. I, I tangle my garbage cans out to the, to the curb. I love, I love that you do that in your neighborhood. Tommy's tangoing with the trash again. Well, well listen, when, when, I, when I got sentenced to jail, I'm in, I'm in jail now, you know, and I got a lot of time on my hands. So I was looking for a place to practice my tangle walk. And I thought, well, the basketball court, perfect. So I walked over there behind there. No one's there. And it's a nice area. And so I started doing my tango walk. And next thing you know, I get a crowd of prisoners gathered around watching me, you know. And the thing is, you know, because we're performers, you know, the crowd doesn't impact. You know, we we love crowds, you know. So <laughs> I had a whole crowd of uh, bikers. They're mostly bikers. Oh my but God. it was a camp. So they were very uh, uh, docile, you know. <laughs> and so I'm doing my tango walk, and this one biker goes, Hey, John, you don't have to dance alone. Come here, I'll dance. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen to this. I didn't break stride. I walked right over to him and took him in my arm and started oh dancing God. with him. And he got all, he got all homophobic. <laughs> we, he, he, he became my dog. He became my, my friend in, in prison. And because he had been in prison so many times, I, I, I told him when I, when I met him, I said, teach me how to do time. And right. because, you know, th- there's a there's a method how to do time. And he taught me. And and one of the first rules of doing time in prison is uh, uh, find a game that you like. Cards, chess, bocce ball, uh, pool, anything. You involve yourself in a game. And uh, yeah, so I learned how to do time. And then 
then then he says, and to make it interesting, you got to gamble. <laughs> you know, now you can't gamble money, right? So what? you get so you gamble push-ups, um, push-ups oh on demand, on demand. And so he says, "Come on, I'll, let's let, let's play some pool. I'll show you." Now I didn't tell him that that I was. I knew all about pool. I grew up <laughs> in, in Canada. They got bigger, smaller pool halls. That's right. The, the pockets are smaller. Yeah. And 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 so I didn't tell him that, of course. And so I pretended, you know, and I just played played dumb, you know, and and he's kind of taking his time, you know, relax, you know, and I win. <laughs> <laughs> I win on the last ball. <laughs> And he says, okay, let rack him up. Let's go again. I said, nope. Nope. Quit while you're ahead. What? <laughs> he goes, what? I said, nope. No more, no more games. I done it. He says, come on, man. That's not fair. I said, I know. I know. <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> I'll never play pool with you again. And, oh, he, I said, he started yelling at me. I said, give me some, give me five. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get down do five push-ups. And then we're walking, we're walking the track and he's telling me, telling all the guys, you know, how chicken shit I am. And so he finishes the story. I said, well, give me, give me two. <laughs> and he says, he says, come on, let me do them all. I said, nope. <laughs> I had him doing pushups for, for about a week. I want to uh, see this movie. I want to see it acted out your, <laughs> your time, because in addition, and we, we can't stay with you as long as I wish we could because we've taken up so much of your time already and we're going to get to the other things I want to talk about. But another person that was in prison that you met at the same time, in addition to the man that you've made do all the pushups who uh, I will remain nameless, but is probably very fit or at least his arms are now <laughs> you met the, the actual Wolf of Wall Street that the movie was based on Jordan Belfort while you were in prison. Did you spend some time with them? Oh yeah. Yeah. We spent a, Literally, literally, you spent time <laughs> while doing time. Yes, we we shared a cubicle. We shared a cubicle. Well, uh, I'll I'll give you the Jordan in a in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, he um, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, on the wrong side of the law, but right. still a genius. Uh, I was writing my book, and like I say, we shared a cubicle, not a cell. It was place for two beds, you know, uh, a bunk in a, in a cot. And I, I, I had the cot. And I was writing my book, and he would be playing tennis. He came in one day. He goes, well, what, what are you writing? I said, I'm just writing my book. And remorse, you know. He goes, I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. And so he goes off, and next day he comes back, hands me a couple of pages. Here, what do you think of that? Jordan's a bit of a egomaniac, you know. I got, I did get that. Uh, from watching, yeah, so, from so watching says, the movie uh, and the charges against him, yeah. So I had him. He handed me the paper and the two pages, and and I read it right away. I, I recognized it was the first uh, couple of chapters of Bonfires at the Bank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy's a thief. He couldn't help. It, you know, <laughs> even writing, he had a steal. And so, so I told him. I says, uh, he's, what do you think? I said, uh, you, you didn't read. You haven't written shit. Yeah. What? He goes, what? No, no one ever uh, got, talked to him like that. I said, no. And then he goes, I said, it's just a bonfires of the vanity. Yeah. And he goes, well, then what should I write? I said, <laughs> write 
all the stories you've been telling me every night. <laughs> there you go. That's what you're right. And then I give him the most dub rule. And he says, what's the most dub rule? I said, well, like the Bible, you know, like when the Jews were escaping uh, Pharaoh's army, they stopped the Red Sea. God stopped the Red, part of the Red Sea. Now that's the most dub. <laughs> you see? And, then, and they held back the oceans and the, and the barrels and the chariots got halfway through, and then they let the waters go. That is the most up. And I said, did it really happen? Probably not. But you're writing fiction. You're writing a book. You can write anything you want, you know? And and he did. And he's, he got it. He, like I say, he's a genius. And then I never heard from him. <laughs> He kept writing, 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 and then, and then he would never go to the commissary, uh, you know. And he'd always bum uh, chicken off me because we you could buy that processed chicken, and then we'd make salads out of it, you know, because our meal time was very special for us in there because we had our own special crew. We we never ate in the mess hall. We always cooked our own uh, with the microwaves, and we had the healthiest meals. In prison because uh, the guy, the golf caddy that ran the the the, the cook also ran uh, uh, ran a, a garden, you know, that was for the food bank, and so we had fresh vegetables, the best, the best, the best, everything. And so I, I really had some of the best meals in my life uh, there. <laughs> and, and Jordan, Jordan was so busy writing his book that he never took time to go to the commissary, so he'd always bum chicken off me. But I know the guy's a thief, you know? <laughs> and so, so after about four, four, four chickens, you know, and he's not giving any back, I sent Steve. I said, Steve, go, go collect some chickens for me. He's <laughs> the biker. <laughs> Steve goes, oh, man, don't make me do that. Said, Come on, you're my dog. <laughs> two minutes later, is... two minutes later, George, over the cubicle with the chicken. There you go. <laughs> this... Your time in prison sounds like when the boat was taken over in the movie with Tom Hanks. It seems like you went into prison and you're like, I'm the captain now. And uh, and then you just had the, the people as as you do, as of course you would win them over with. Yeah. Your Let's move on to something more, not necessarily more serious, certainly positive. You've beaten cancer not once, but twice now. Thank goodness. In your in your yep. long life. And. You know, one of the things that naysayers say about about cannabis and smoking of any sort, and as more research comes out, it changes. But they people are hesitant to talk about the actual health effects of cannabis. How how big a role do you feel cannabis played uh, in your mindset and in your actual recovery from cancer? Well, a cannabis plant, it's a gift from God. And it's written up in the Bible, all through the Bible. It's called canna in the Bible. And it was a burning bush that Moses talked about, you know, God appeared to Moses in the form of a burning bush and he gave him the Ten Commandments, come on <laughs> you, know, you can't get any more commandments than, than that that's cannabis that's, that's pure cannabis and, and there's people in India you know, religious people in India and they smoke their, till they see God you know, they, they, they do that so the, the cannabis plant is really is, is a gift because there's now they're finding out more. There's uh, another THCB. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Yeah, 
uh, they've been finding out more stuff. It's more healing, more better, hmm. more better, all that stuff. Uh, no, no, it's it's the magic plant, it, and it's a gift. It's a gift. But think about it; it grows anywhere for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, 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 when I was doing comedy uh, years ago, I was with um, Steve Patterson. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, he was, he was a, kind of a legend, and he, he I died. get it. Yeah, I feel about it. He, but but we went one day. We were, we, we were working on the same in the same club. He goes, "Come on, let's go. Let's go find some weed." I said, "Where?" He says, "In in the field." We're in <laughs> Kentucky. We're in Kentucky. So we went looking for ditch weed. They call it ditch weed there, <laughs> and we never found any. But it grows wild. <laughs> well, the, at one time, Kentucky had all the hemp fields, and that's what hemp is, you know, right. is, is pure cannabis. That's going to change the world, too, by the way, the hemp. Did you hear they got uh, hempcrete? Uh, it's concrete made out of hemp. Really? Diana, did you yeah. hear this? No, but I'm writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> hemp, hempcrete, hempcrete. And by the way, the lumber shortage has given us another way to build houses, which is Plastic form, foam, uh, forms filled with concrete. And that's the new uh, order of, uh, instead of wood. Instead of lumber. Houses, instead of lumber. And guess what? The, the cement forms 100% fireproof. Wow. That is and cheap. needed and in, cheaper. Needed in and California cheaper. right now, for yes. sure. This is something yeah. that everyone should know about. I didn't know about it. I'm, Tommy, I've learned more in this 30 minutes I've been talking to you than I have in probably the previous three or four years. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, uh, I just have to ask one more question about the dancing before we uh, switch gears a sure. bit here. So you and I had not even remembered this. I remembered seeing it at the time and not thinking, uh, not thinking too much about it. And then Diana was like, do you remember Tommy on Dancing with the Stars in 2014. I'm like, I think, I think I saw that. Let me go. And then I, what a story that was. What an incredible performance you you put on not long, long ago, 2014, I believe it was, 2013. Uh, an incredible job. And it showed your love for dancing, which I didn't know you already had it in you before that. But what feedback did you get from that? Because it just, as you oh. kept going and going, it just, the, the goodwill was coming through the screen. Oh, it well, I had, <laughs> for the first time in my life, I had old groupies. <laughs> 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 People's parents wanted to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> like my publicist, he's, my dad wants to meet you. God, he's never, you know, I've done this forever and he's never wanted to meet anybody. I, I was in my I was 78, I think. That's, at, incre at that that's time. incredible. That's incredible. And uh, I didn't know it until I did the dance. You didn't know that you did that. You didn't know your age until you did the dance. I, yeah, you don't think about it. You know, you just go from one gig to the next. Right. One, you're the next. Next thing you know, uh, they're they're telling me, geez, you know, I was older than any of the judges. I was yes. older than the, the whole crew. <laughs> and here I am dancing against all these youngsters and 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 doing well. They had kept me on as long as they could. You know, I was the oldest guy to ever get as far as I did. I, I made it to the final. Yeah. And <laughs> it was, but I'll tell you, like I watched, I I got to watch the whole pack together of, from the beginning of your performance yeah. right to the end. It was, uh, 
it was unbelievable the moves you could do and just the yeah. the good the good humor that you had and we've talked about the the tango a bit what was your favorite dance move to do what is your favorite dance move to do well right now well salsa yeah salsa yeah i, I i'm a good salsa dancer <clears throat> and funny was my, my wife found out uh, we went to a birthday party hmm. just recently and we went to this old club that uh, when i started dancing salsa i wasn't good enough to my wife <laughs> and so she would she would go by herself to dance with the good dancers and and i would go to dance with the beginners you know uh, but i was a beginner and uh but you know i just kept at it and, and I, I i learned how to do it you know like it like anything we'll be right back after this short break 
Paul McCartney. That's right. You've shared with each of the other Beatles, but not Paul. I, I, I did it. I smoked with every Beatle. Well, with them in the room. Yeah. That, that counts. That counts. Except Paul. And Paul knows it. Oh. Uh, we've got a mutual friend, and he's, he's, he's yeah, me. I'm ready. Okay. Well, so, I, I, I hope we can make it happen on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what one piece of advice might present-day Tommy Chong have for 1970s Tommy Chong? Advice? Yeah. Danny? Don't look back. Like Keep going. Oh, you're doing it. Yeah, it's all worked for you. Last quick question for you. Okay. If you could have, because you just did a role that we didn't even get to talk about, which involves uh, supernatural powers, right? In Color Out of Space, that show. Yeah. Based on a short, yeah. short story by H.P. Lovecraft, which is my favorite author name. If you could have one supernatural power, Tommy Chong, what would it be? Uh, the ability to grow a new penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love I did not, that. I did not think that's where that sentence was ending. Oh, oh my God. I thought it was going to be grow a new strain of marijuana. Oh, nope. God. Grow a new oh. penis. Okay. The best answer we've ever had. I, I'm I'm hesitant to ask why a new one. Right, right. Oh, oh well, the cancer, uh, the the prostate took out the old one. I right. see, I see, right. I see. Okay, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Right, 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 right. And, and, and as far as the sex thing goes, okay, I still got a sex organ, so I'm not worried about that. But it's it's the the there's no warning system anymore down right. there, you know. So I have to be close to a, a, a bathroom okay. uh you know there's a old, old guys you know they stand in there and they say okay you've been wanting to go all day now you're with come on what's wrong with you come on wake up you gotta be <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it takes you you know you know in the old days when you're a young kid you know eat like a horse and yeah. boom it was gone the old guys we're there forever <laughs> come on geez and it's like dribble at a time <laughs> <laughs> I hope Marvel, uh, I hope Marvel's listening because I do want, I do want that to be, I want to see that origin story. Second penis man, new penis man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are our last two quick ones. And then we get to our second uh, guest, which is uh, interesting here today. Uh, Tommy, would you complete these two sentences for me, please? The Canadian star system is blank. The Canadian star system is antiquated antiquated yeah mm -hmm. i think i think you're absolutely right and living next door to the united states which you live in but if you can picture us living next door to the united states is like well, like having a rich friend <laughs> <laughs> i love how respectfully you said that yeah yeah no it's true it is true. Well said. All right. I, uh, sir, I have no further questions, but I would love for you to introduce us because this is a very unique thing you've done. And I really appreciate what you've done. We always ask our guests to bring on a second Canadian that we should know more about. And Diana, do you want to say what's happening today or, or is Tommy? Yeah, well, this is a little bit different because um, usually we have the guests join us in the chat, but this guest cannot join us because they're no longer with us. But you'd like, I understand you want to shine a spotlight on him and his body of work. So can you, can you tell us about your friend uh, and, uh, and how, maybe how you met him and, and why you wanted to uh, 
introduce him to the rest of the world? Well, I met Patrick. Patrick Lane is who I'm introducing. Uh, I met him when I was 13. Okay. Yeah, 13. He was, I think, 13, too. Maybe a little, maybe, yeah, about the same age. Uh, he was a civilian. I was an army cadet. Hmm. And we were, wow. we were, we were, we met at uh, Kalamalka Lake outside of Vernon. And that's where they used to bring the army cadets. And they would bring them in trucks and we would go to the beach and we'd have a towel, put her towel down and, and go swim in the water. And you could tell army cadets because they had suntan knees because we wore shorts and, and, uh, putties you know the socks up to our calves and so all the cadets you could recognize them with their suntan knees <laughs> we all we all had brown knees <clears throat> and uh and we all when you're army cadets you were given a, a an allowance of five bucks so all the cadets had money uh it changed you know but for for that age and that time of year it was in the 50s back in like 50 or 55, somewhere around there. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Pat was a civilian, and uh, Pat Lane. And he had blonde hair and glasses, and very white. And it was weird, because he'd be on the beach, and he's very white. And, and so I got to know him. Uh, we, I sat at the towel. I wasn't so much into diving or swimming, uh, but I'd go for a dip, and then I'd come back and sit on the towel. And we got to talking, and a very interesting guy, you know. And we 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 became very good friends. Now I found out later the reason he was at the lake was he was stealing money from the cadets. Because <laughs> 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 he would, you know, we would see a towel sitting there, you see a wallet sitting there <laughs> on the towel, and uh, he would sit down next to the guy and kind of throw the towel over the wallet. And then when he left, he looked like he's oh time to go. He pick up his towel and the wallet, <laughs> and because Pat Pat was sort of he was a one of uh, I think the youngest of uh, about three or four brothers, and the brothers were kind of redhead and 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 back then there was a, 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 a the bad guys were called zutsu or, or hoods, and they wore duck tails and. Well, Pat's two older brothers, they were kind of like that. But there was the one guy in, in the, the gang, his name was Leeworth. He was a blonde kid, ducktail. And I, I, he was the guy that got me out of the army cadets into the, into the hutlum area of my life. <laughs> because, because I seen him at the park one time and he was, he was challenging about a 20, 15, 20 army cadets. To a, to a fight, come on, you <laughs> bastard, come on, I'll take you off. And he had the duck tail and he had the, the drapes, pants that were 14 buttons high and little suspenders and, and the pants went into a drape. And he was like the, the he was like a, like a vision. He was like a superhero. Right. And how many penises anyway, did he have at the time? <laughs> Just yeah, oh, yeah. Probably one really big one. One big penis. Uh, they're, they're probably all gone now. But anyway, so Pat and I, we became friends. And in fact, I, one time I stayed longer in Vernon after the cadets were, were done. And I, I, I stayed at his house. I, I, I stayed there and, and I got to know his mom a little bit and his brothers. And then I, I lost, we lost touch. You know, we, 
then years later, I, I was touring with a band in the interior of British Columbia. And Pat had a job working in a lumber yard <clears throat> as an accountant. And, and he was writing. By then, he was writing. He was, and so, so I saw him. We saw each other. Hey, you know, he heard I was there. And so we got together and asked him what he was doing. He said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm writing. And I didn't think of it, you know. He's, yeah, he's writing. I'm playing music. And, and then, uh, then years later again, you know, I, I saw his brother. And his brother said, I said, oh, how's Pat? He said, he's, he's fine. He says, you know, he's a poet laureate of Canada, don't you? <laughs> and I said, Pat? <laughs> Pat, Lee? Really? <laughs> and so then, then so then they, they got me his books. And everything. Wow. I was blown away. Yeah. Just, For our like, listeners who might not know, I'll just give them a little bit of, of context on, on Patrick. He was one of Canada's, as you were saying, amazing poets, preeminent poet. He won the Governor General's Award for Poetry. Uh, he won the Lieutenant Governor's Award for Literary Excellence, three National Magazine Awards. He's in the Order of Canada. Um, his career spanned more than 50 years. He wrote 25 volumes of poetry, mm. and as well as award-winning books in fiction and nonfiction. And it's amazing listening to the story of like him, his his life before becoming a poet, because it it is as surprising. As when you find out that Tommy Chong went to Bible camp and played an accordion. <laughs> like, yes. It's like these things do not compute. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that's exactly the way I felt. <laughs> when, when, when his brother told me about what Pat did, I was like, I, 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 trip, I was trippy. It was so trippy. And then we, we stayed in touch. Oh, then I was on a book tour with my book. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the book critic, you know, was there because Pat's there. And, and they said, well, what do you think about comparing your book to Pat? I said, listen, <laughs> Pat says more in one sentence than I do in the whole book. <laughs> I said, there's no comparison. None. None whatsoever. He truly I is a beautiful poet. Oh. And I, I was lucky enough to, I was trying to find some content online because I wanted to be able to play for our listeners one of his poems. And I actually found um, his wife, Lorna Crozier, who is herself a very well-respected and incredible, incredible poet. poet. And oh. she is putting together a compilation of his works that have not yet been published. So a posthumous Whoa. book. Yeah. And it's called The Quiet Whoa. in Me. And the book will be called The Quiet in Me. And it's going to be published in the spring by Harbor Books. And she did a video where she read some of his unreleased poems. So I got her permission to play one of his poems that uh, this was my favorite one. It's called Hummingbirds. Um, mm. So we're going to, we're going to play this now. Hummingbirds. They say you can pluck them like jewels from the branches at night. If you can find them sleeping inside the shivery bamboo. How many nights I have tried and failed full moon and crescent, the dark and the light. I have searched in the black bamboo and the gold, but who can find such a small heart? Oh. So beautiful. 
so beautiful. I mean, oh, oh you know, poet, oh. poetry is is something that everyone knows Shakespeare, and then it sort of tra- trails off from there. <laughs> that it just in terms of mainstream success of yeah. of poetry that's turned into a production or that's just presented as poetry, and then you hear really good poetry, and and you wonder why it's not played every day for people to hear to to yeah. to just give kind of a, a moment of calm and and optimism in the world that we're living in. So what spoke to you in that one, Tommy? The small part. The small part. And that's everything. Yeah, beautiful. Whoa. Wow. And what, if- what? If if people want to read more of Patrick's work, you can go to patricklane.ca. And like I was saying, the new book will be called The Quiet in Me, curated by Lorna Crozier. It'll be coming out uh, in the spring. Harper Books. So Lorna, Lorna, Lorna gets, gets all of that so sweet. Well, I, I, love yeah. that, I love that you wanted to, that it, this is such a departure for us, because like I said, usually what happens is our celebrity guest shines a spotlight on somebody. Often it's within their same genre. So, you know, it could have been that you could have chosen another comedian or a you know a cannabis activist, but I love the fact that you wanted to shine the light on somebody's body of work because in Canada, in Canada yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because and especially with poetry, it doesn't always get the recognition that it deserves, but it is something that's so beautiful for the soul and so good for us. So I really appreciated this because it it really made me go down a bit of a wormhole of reading his work and yeah, mm-hmm. it's I beautiful. Bet. It's I absolutely bet. beautiful. Open up a whole world for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I pulled the shades back and oh look over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when you asked me, you know, I, without hesitation, you know, because again, I'm like you, you know, I I haven't really I, I read one that him and. Uh, Lauren, Lauren uh, wrote, uh, The Garden Goes On Without Us. Mm. Did you see that? I didn't that see one that yet? one. No, didn't no. That yeah, that's the one that I think they wrote it together. It's, again. Beautiful. I get choked up. I get choked up. <laughs> Forget about it. He actually wrote, <laughs> when I, I did some research on him talking about, you know, his, his art of poetry and as as many artists would would say, I think about their own thing. And it was just, uh, he put it as simply as I think it was poetry that saved me from killing myself or killing others. I mean, that's how much he needed, <laughs> he needed to write. And it was yeah. this art that, that kind of kept himself sane through, mm-hmm. through all these yeah. years. He has an immensely long career of, of poetry yeah. that I, I you know, 25 yeah. works of volumes. Poetry is incredible. Well, when you write, uh, I write, you know, uh, continually. I I, uh, I I write on my phone. Actually, <laughs> it's funny too. Sometimes I'll get an idea. Where's Where's my phone? Yeah, I'm talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah, I I can see how you do it. I, I wake up in the middle of the night now. I I hear words, you know, because I ca- kind of call myself like a songwriter. I've written songs, uh, but not not deep poetry like that. Yeah. yeah. I've I've written some, some, and I'm 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 really heading in that that direction, you know. I bet. Uh, I I think you should write down whatever thoughts happen, Tommy. I think you oh, should I find it <laughs> because it's endlessly, it's endlessly uh, 
entertaining. And I do love mm-hmm. that you uh, took the time with us today, went back to your Canadian roots uh, a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if we can entice you back here uh, with a governor general appointment the next time the election <laughs> comes up. But if you were uh, if you were the the governor general, it's my last question for you today. Um, if you were the governor general, um, what do you think the first first thing you could do would be? Yeah, in okay. Canada? In Canada, yeah. What would you do for us? Well, I'd take off that celebrity bullshit line. You know, I can't have celebrity weed. I mean, come on. Uh, what, what's that all about? There's a few things I do in Canada. And not, not a whole lot. You know, because you get, I mean, Canada exists because, uh, you know, by the way, the world, our whole world, it's like a gym. You know, you know how you go to a gym to lift weights to get bigger? Uh, Diana does, well, yeah. This this physical world of ours, you will eventually. Thank you. This physical, <laughs> this physical world of ours, it's a learning space. And it's just like a gym. And 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 instead of handing you know the heavy weights to build your arms and that, uh, you're you're we're here to build character. See, that that's what we need to build. It's character. Mm-hmm. It's not wealth. It's it's not success or anything. It's character. Because the only thing you leave with uh, when you leave this place is your character, how you were. You know, were were you were you uh, what were you? You know, because it doesn't matter what you were, because we're all in a learning uh, phase. You know, just like comedians. You know, when you see a real bad, uh, when Cheech and I started out, uh, we we there was one place called Canopus. There's like six different comedians would show up at this one place, and <clears throat> we were one of them. <clears throat> and the first two or the first couple weren't that good, so there would be nobody in the audience. Well. I made a, a point of being there early to catch them all mm-hmm. because I could, I, I found uh, value in everybody. Even, mm-hmm. even the value of how they work to an empty room. <laughs> and, you know, there's value there, you know, and, and because you, you have to adjust. And, and, and I found so much value in, in, just observing everything, you know, leaving nothing out, because I and, and that's what I see with people. Every the, the, this world that we live in is it's just like a gym. We're, we're here to better ourselves. I love that. You know? I love I'm that. S- I'm so happy <laughs> to hear you say that, about, especially about watching others who you know, good and bad, or or popular or not popular. It's it's a weird game, as you know, and and especially in comedy, it's not. There's lots of funny people. It's not necessarily the funniest who are the most famous. No. There are so many yeah. really, really funny acts that just just not even need a big break, but maybe, you know, just just need a little bit more attention and helping out. And you're obviously someone that's helped people out along the way because you were helped. And it's 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 such a great lesson to to pass on. Thank well, you. Well, what it yeah. is, it, it, it builds your character. Oh, this has been a breath of fresh cannabis infused <laughs> air thank you so much tommy okay. for taking the time with us thank you so much Anytime. thank Cheers. you very much thanks enjoy that thank you thanks for listening everyone if you like the show please subscribe or follow us for free wherever you get your podcasts 
The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up to these good because I sell promotion subs. And if they went away, you sure wouldn't miss them. The Canadian Star System. She, she auditioned herself. And and they said, well, you know, but you're married to Tom. Who are you married to? Tommy oh, Trump? my God. Oh, would, would he? Oh. Do you think you could, we can get him in the show? Oh, my God. And, and so she said, okay, he'll do it. She comes home. She goes, oh, you're going to be on Dance with the Stars. <laughs> oh, my God. They want to see you. And you're. And so I said, I said, oh, okay. And you're, and you're still married? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. God. You see? Hey, listen. Listen, it works. Are you kidding? <laughs> are you kidding? You you want to get a woman's attention just to have a, a beautiful woman like a Peter? <laughs> I'll, I'll give Peter it. Around. I'll give it a shot, Tommy. I'm not sure if it's going to work. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.